0: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the New Books in Environmental Studies podcast on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Isabel Aikman, and today we'll be talking to Professor Marco Grasso about his new book, From Big Oil to Big Green, Holding the Oil Industry to Account for the Climate Crisis. So thank you so much, Marco, for joining me today. It's great to have you on the podcast.
1: You're welcome. Thanks, everybody, and uh, my pleasure to be here. Thanks.
0: Great. Could you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, uh, your research interests and how you came to the topic of big oil?
1: Sure. Um, I'm a professor of political geography, I work mostly on uh, climate politics, um, ethics and um, governance, I would say, at the University of Milan Bicocca and um, been working on climate change since my PhDs in the last 20 years or so. Actually, uh, I, I, I jumped into a, an, an interesting paper by Richard Hidden in 2014 on, on carbon majors and their contribution in terms of emission to climate change. And starting from there, I, I realized that very uh, limited work uh, was, were, was done on this uh, role and responsibility of the fossil fuel industry. So I started wondering why... Uh, uh, the work was so 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 poor, so limited, or also poor in terms of uh, uh, insightfulness, so to speak. And I, starting from there, I um, I began to think of uh, working uh, uh, in depth on the role and responsibility of the fossil fuel industry. And eventually, I came out with this idea of the book. Uh, which uh, basically is about the, the, uh, the role that they had uh, in terms of uh, contributions, in terms of emission. It's about their responsibility, especially in terms of their moral responsibility to the climate crisis. And uh, it's also about a more, uh, let's say, um, uh, proactive part in which, uh, based on their responsibility, I suggest that they have a... a two duties, a duty of uh, cleaning their business or a duty of decarbonization, and a duty of paying back uh, the victims of climate change, which I call the duty of reparation. And uh, I started to think also about how to, let's say, operationalize these duties. So this is, in a nutshell, the, the, the outline of the book.
0: Brilliant, thank you so much. i definitely like to go on eventually to talk about kind of big oil to big green and the moral frameworks that you talk about in your book but first I I'd just like to get you to introduce to our listeners the oil landscape so most people just think of petrol when we say oil but could you just paint a picture of what oil yeah. can be used and- for
1: basically talking of all the fossil fuels oil uh, gas and coal uh, coal was a more uh, let's say important in, 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 the, in the past and um, now gas has probably most of the people uh, know is increasingly important. is even part of the uh, is even acknowledged by the EU, for instance, as a transition fuel, which is not, but it's increasingly important. You might be aware of the uh, energy crisis that we have after the, the um, Russia invasion on Ukraine due to the uh, gas supply. So gas is uh, uh, considered by um, not only by the fossil fuel industry, but also by most of our uh, policymakers as a transition fuel um, whose role is crucial in transitioning uh, away from fossil fuel, paradoxically. In fact, I think that it's not a transition fuel, it's a fossil fuel, even more uh, um, powerful in terms of greenhouse gas uh, effects than oil. But uh, for the time being, it, it is still sell. Uh, sold as, as something that uh, as a clean fossil fuel, so to speak, and uh, that narrative is part of the framing that the fossil fuel industry could give to the uh, to this discourse, to this uh, uh, to our fossil-centric world, and it's part it's part of the uh, reasons why the fossil fuel industry, as you mentioned before, has a moral responsibility besides a simple cause of responsibility for the the climate crisis
0: and who is big oil who are the main players here in the oil landscape and what's the difference in the types it is, of oil it is basically big
1: oil uh, is uh, a broad uh, category which includes on the one hand for for sure the the big international oil companies like uh, the the american one uh, ExxonMobil, uh, Chevron, uh, like the European one, the, the the British BP, the Anglo-Dutch Shell, the French, Total Energy, the Italian, any. But increasingly, uh, uh, the national oil companies of uh, oil-rich countries, or uh, also known as state-owned enterprises of oil-rich countries, are playing a... Uh, mm, very important role, and I'm referring to the companies of the uh, uh, Gulf countries like the uh, Arabian Saudi Aramco, which is the biggest one, but also companies from the Emirates, or uh, Russian companies, South American companies like Petrobras from Brazil, Central American like uh, Pemex, Um, Chinese companies, which are uh, big players in in the in the in the oil market because uh, not because china is a fossil fuel rich country but because they are uh, oil seeking national oil companies who, which are let's say going all over the world to collaborate with other uh, companies in oil rich countries so to 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 in in, in brief there are two big groups of components Of big oil. On the one hand we have uh, uh, these uh, private companies the famous private companies which we are all familiar with and increasingly important on the other hand we have these um, state owned enterprises based in oil rich mostly countries or oil seeking countries like China for instance Russian countries are very big players in the oil market especially for as far as gas, natural gas is concerned. I would say, sorry, not natural gas, but gas, because nature is another, let's say, spin put on, by the fossil fuel industry on these fossil fuels to sell it as more friendly, as more natural, in fact.
0: Brilliant. It was really interesting, you looking at kind of the conflicts and power dynamics between the oil companies and the governments and NGOs and individuals. I thought that was done really well in the book. Um, so let's talk about kind of the main aim of the book, Big Oil to Big Green. What does that kind of mean for you? Uh,
1: when I wrote the book, uh, it was I started to wrote the book back in 2019, right? Yeah. Uh, um, no, 2018. Anyway, um, I was thinking that these companies would, uh, would have had, necessarily a role in the transition. And therefore, uh, uh, the title means that if they want to survive in a new, uh, progressively uh, decarbonized world, this company should should shift uh, from big oil to big green. Now, to be honest, I'm less confident that they are willing to do so because uh, the uh, fact of the last year, at least uh, point to another uh, industrial strategy. For instance, uh, both Shell and BP have uh, scaled back on renewables and uh, uh, went much more into fossil fuels. So uh, probably it was a, a call uh, of hope. This title from big oil to big green. Anyway, it, it, it the 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 idea was. Uh, to um, include in the transition these big uh, agents whose wealth, whose power, whose uh, technologies, whose uh, uh, knowledge, whose capabilities uh, are still crucial for, uh, uh, for the transition to a less carbon intensive world.
0: And could you talk about the moral framework of responsibility that you want the industries yeah. to work through? That you look at. Sure. That's,
1: I think, it's uh, one of the distinctive uh, part uh, to me. Uh, the more important parts of this book. Uh, basically, uh, we should uh, uh, clarify at the at the outset that there are at least responsibilities are very slippery terms, uh, it's very loaded terms in the jargon of, of political and moral philosophy, and even in, 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 uh, in, the, in the common uh, layperson world. At any rate, um, we can think of, uh, 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 to a form of cause of responsibility, which basically means simply contribution to something. And then there's a more stringent notion of responsibility known as moral responsibility and it is more stringent stringent than causal responsibility because it involves consideration about intentionality, about knowledge consciousness, willingness of doing or not doing something, okay so um, as I briefly said before uh, fossil fuel companies have indeed a, a a cause of responsibility because they contributed this uh, uh, this uh, first study I mentioned at the at the beginning by by Rick Hebe uh, uh, basically um, shows that just uh, uh, one hundred companies uh, uh, that equals the carbon majors contributed over the period two thousand and eighteen two thousand and sorry um, yes. 2018 to 2000, no, sorry, 2008 to 2018 concurred to uh, roughly three um, uh, fourths, 75% of global emissions. I'm referring, of course, not only to the emissions associated to the processes of these companies, but mostly to the emissions associated to the use of the products that these companies uh, sold to the global economies, which are known as Scope 3 emissions, as opposed to those associated only to their processes, which are known as Scope 1 emissions. So uh, this clearly um, um, specifies their causal responsibility. But additionally, I think that there are uh, other um facts which i called in the book uh, morally relevant facts that uh, testify to their moral responsibility and the first is that they they knew they have known for uh, 70 years for roughly from the 60 of the last century they have known about the uh, correlation between uh, the emission produced by the combustion of their products and uh, the increase of concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere and the impacts of climate change. There are uh, incredibly accurate estimates uh, about the concentration of CO2 uh, in the atmosphere. There's, um, for instance, uh, incredible study published, published by Exxon scientists in 1972, which uh, got the concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere in 2020 precisely. Uh, and so, this basically, there's a lot of evidence that testifies that they knew what uh, their activities could produce in terms of modification of the climate system. Uh, the second, more relevant fact is that that despite this, they uh, behaved, uh, let's say business as usual, they didn't change their behavior. Third, more relevant relevant fact, even if they had the capacity to to do so, for instance, the uh, American fossil fuel industry, had the, the um, cutting-edge solar patents and technologies back in the 90s, also because they got uh, billions of dollars in in public funding from the federal government of the U.S. Uh, and a third and very relevant uh, m- fact in terms of uh, moral responsibility is the one you uh, mentioned before: denialism. This uh, this industry has uh, funded, orchestrated, organized, and uh, manage a very sophisticated campaign of, of, uh, of denialism, which basically uh, poisoned, let's say, so to speak, the, the, the climate debate and paralysed climate negotiations for, uh, I don't know, 30 years. Uh, think that, for instance, just only in 2019, in a in an official uh, UN uh, um, FCCC on. You know that there's this conference of the uh, parties which are held annually in different cities in the world. Uh, only in 2019, at COP24 in Madrid, uh, for the first time, the terms fossil fuels were introduced in a, in an official COP document. And you know also that the uh, COP are most of the time, COPs are most of the time captured by the fossil fuel industry lobby, lobbyists actually. And so these uh, uh, morally relevant facts uh, evince that the fossil fuel industry or better fossil fuel companies have a moral responsibility. Based on this moral responsibility, I in the book argued that they have two duties. The duties I was, speaking about before, a duty of cleaning their business, a duty of decarbonization to become somehow from big oil to be green. And importantly, a duty of reparation that basically means that they have to um, compensate the victims of climate change. And uh, I think basically that probably this is the um, very... uh, the most innovative on the original parts of the book because it was never uh, addressed thoroughly, uh, completely before. Uh, and in fact, in the book, I try to, uh, besides giving the moral justification and specifying um, uh, how a duty of reparation should be articulated, I also tried to calculate uh, this duty. Um, um as a matter of fact i just published a, a paper which uh, on on climate reparation uh which had a, a quite a, 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 an impact that uh, was covered in the guardian for instance in when, when when it came out in which i calculated in a different way uh, uh, different from the way in which i calculated it, uh, reparations in the book uh, these reparations but the, the 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 essence of the of the of the idea remains the same. These companies, based on their, given their moral responsibilities, have a duty to uh, pay back the victims of uh, the climate crisis.
0: Yeah, I was really struck by this conversation about um, reparations. Could you just explain what are the difficulties in getting reparation reparations from these companies, and how would you determine who owes more in reparations and who those reparations are going to? could you explain more about that um, these uh
1: yes it's 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 quite difficult these are two different questions the one you that you that you the in your in your in your centers there if your sentence better contains two different questions uh i'll start from the second how to calculate reparation um uh, reparations should be calculated. There are two um, logically different methodologies for calculating reparations. Once, one uh, which we, and is the one which I adopted in the in the book is to is very straightforward and it is it boils down to uh, attributing to this company the the social cost of carbon associated to their emissions to their cumulative emissions over a. a uh, period um, the social cost of carbon is uh, uh somehow the uh, it's the it is the monetary cost that society suffer from uh, uh carbon emission in terms of impacts of climate change is a very important figure probably the most important figure of climate policy for instance it can be Use it in different ways because uh, uh, if you uh, choose a, a lower cost of carbon, you uh, uh, give a, um, um, less relevance, let's say to uh, uh, the impacts of climate change. whereas if you uh, attribute if you decide to put a, a, a bigger figure on, on, uh, to the cost of carbon, uh, the importance given to the impacts of climate change are, are, are much higher. So, there are a scientific uh, community which works on this. And according to the scientific community, the social costs of carbon could be some way between uh, 90 and 120 dollars per ton. And then there's a political way of attributing the social cost of carbon. And for instance, in this regard, it's very telling the, the, the fact that the, the Obama administration has a, had a cost of carbon of, I, I guess, $48 per tonne, whereas the Trump administration, which wasn't very sympathetic to the um, issue, to the theme of climate change, put the social cost of carbon to $1 per tonne. and. The subsequent by the administration returned it to, I guess, fifty-seven um, dollar per ton, and now we are discussing to to uh, increase it further. So this is the way in which uh, I let's say operationalize the, the social cost of carbon in the book. Of course, you have to. Um, it, it's impossible uh, to simply multiply the cumulative emission of fossil companies uh, to the social cost of carbon because you, you get uh, uh, high popping figures, much bigger than their uh, revenues, than their assets, than whatever. So in the, in the book, I, uh, let's say discounted that mm, and, uh, with a several uh, um, assumptions. Uh, another way to calculate the the, 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 the reparation and, and then I attributed to the uh, I basically multiply the emissions of the uh, in that case it was the 20 biggest fossil fuel uh, companies for their social cost of carbon and then I I, I uh, introduce some assumption to uh, reduce the results of the of this uh, um, operation. Um, a second way and is the way uh, uh, um, Richard Heed and I adopted in this paper that came out in One Earth in, in May, is basically uh, taking the problem from the other way. We uh, estimated the total damages of uh, climate change based on a survey, uh, on a published survey, survey on, on, on this issue. Um, carried out uh, uh, with uh, more than uh, 800 economists working on climate change. Then we uh, uh, argued that uh, uh, um, a portion of that sum, uh, uh, that the fossil fuel industry was uh, um, basically the three big groups of agents were responsible for climate change, fossil fuel companies, as producers of fossil fuels, we as consumers of fossil fuels, and governments as those uh, who should act to control uh, the use of fossil fuels. And so we couldn't come out with any uh, uh, sophisticated division and we uh, uh, adopted a, so to speak, Solomonic decision to attribute one third, one third, one third to these uh, three different groups of agents. Then we, uh, um, of this one-third attributed to the fossil fuel industry, we um, distributed uh, this uh, uh, among the 21 uh, top companies based on uh, a principle of need and uh, uh, based on their contribution. And uh, the sum that came out, it's uh, where's the, 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 the figures that uh, I mm, uh, put in the book about repression are more of uh, uh, let's say are more uh, let's say indicative in this second case it should be more realistic and basically um, it, it is something like on average to more than 200 billion dollars per year from 2025 to 2050. Uh, it seems a lot, but think that uh, uh, ExxonMobil in 2022 uh, made a profit of more than 50 billion, Saudi Aramco almost 150 billion just in 2022. So it's not uh, outlandish thinking of billions of reparation compared to their uh, incredibly huge profits. Um, so, uh, the second part, if I got it well, of your of your question was to how to make them pay, right? Was it that?
0: Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you persuade them to pay these reparations? One hundred million dollar question. Um,
1: I think that the the, the 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 way for doing so is just to compelling them to doing so. So, the political authorities should do that. But uh, to cut a long story short, I would say that. Political authority for doing that uh, need, um, as, at least in democratic countries, to um, um, or better. Le- le- let me put it in this way: uh, it, it, it is necessary to um, uh, increase the awareness of the dangerousness of fossil fuels among people, different categories of people, in order to, to de- let's say, to destabilize this world. Once these uh, um, destabilization processes uh, produce a sort of fertile ground, it is uh, more likely that political authorities at different levels could adopt uh, provisions that compel these agents to abide by their duty of uh, um, reparation. This um, uh, is something that it might take uh, uh, a bit of time, but uh, it's, it's at the same time, it, uh, it is something that uh, uh, can happen. Uh, think of uh, the question of slavery. The question of slavery, basically, the American economy in, in the early 19th century, was 100% based on, on the free uh, labor gave by uh, slaves, quote-unquote. Um, and the rhetoric then was that it was impossible to um, get out of, uh, to, to do without the free work contributed by slaves. But at some point, uh, it grew um and the awareness about the moral repugnancy of uh, slavery, and on that basis, political authorities could uh, um, abolish slavery. It is true that uh, the United States uh, uh, went through a very bloody war, the, the Civil War, to to exit. Uh, slavery and uh, um, um, in the same way if you allow me this uh, uh, risky metaphor we can uh, think of getting out from fossil fuels uh, by um, spreading the awareness of the moral repugnancy or moral at least moral dangerousness in practical dangerousness of fossil fuels so that uh, political authorities can move more confidently in order to uh, have these companies to to, to, to play uh, um, a part in this climate crisis and not only be uh, um, bystanders that uh, um, while, uh, despite the uh, 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 having contributed a lot are uh, just for now standard that uh, are still profiting a lot from from from, from their uh, business uh, centered on fossil fuels.
0: Yeah, I think all of that we've just said just really demonstrates how your book not only offers kind of an abstract moral framework, but also some practical solutions kind of based on historic examples. Um, so just to close um you start off the book by looking at the word crisis and its roots to ancient greece and referring to a decision that leads you down a certain path how far down that path do you think we are are you optimistic that we can push big oil into the right direction mm,
1: as i said before i'm less optimistic than i used to be just a couple of years ago uh, uh, so you know that, especially these last few weeks are uh, scary, terrible. Uh, every every single indicators about the, the climate change uh, issue are out of scale. Most climate scientists basically are, are, keep saying that they don't know what it is happening. Uh, nonetheless, uh, yes, I think that. Uh, I'm, there should be um, uh, at least a, 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 a bit of optimism in, 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 in trying to push forward the idea that we need absolutely to get out as soon as possible from uh, our fossil fuel dependency uh, from, uh, to exit this fossil centric uh, socioeconomic system that we uh, uh built uh, for ourselves, or basically, uh, that the fossil fuel indices has greatly contributed to, to build around our ourselves because, uh, you know, that uh, also another another thing that uh, very important in the fossil fuel industry narratives is to. Finger to point the finger to the individual responsibility. Okay, bring your uh, canvas, thought, change the light, don't use plastic. So everything is okay, especially we all must do that. Um, It's necessary that we change our lifestyle, especially. It is especially so for those of us who have somehow a public role in this stuff. But at the same time, it's not enough because this is not an individual problem that can be solved only by individuals changing their behaviors. This is a structural problem that necessarily needs uh, a deep change in the structure of our socioeconomic system. And in this deep change, I still think that a critical node is the fossil fuel industry, both for uh, its uh, uh, contribution to the problem and for its capacity of putting its enormous uh, capacity and skills uh, accused for uh, somehow thinking of a less carbon intensive world
0: brilliant well you've given us so much to think about both individually and at a wider structural level so thank you so much for coming on the podcast and um i urge the listeners to read big oil to big green um so thank you
1: thank you thank you thank you everybody